wait promise to be over you know i never watched a single episode of that show a single Me episode either welcome back to strange little worlds hi i'm drew i'm danny and this is mini episode number three three right three three, three. or Tres for si. our Espanol-speaking listeners. So we're going to continue with mine. And this time, I'm not in the past. Well, as far as the past as we've been, there are no Dutch Ooh. settlers here. Ooh. But we're actually moving a little forward in time to a prohibition era. Now, the place I'm talking about uh, is a location on 86th Bedford Ave. It's appropriately called Chumley's. Now, Chumley's is a historic pub and a former speakeasy that's in between Grove and Barrow Streets in the West Village neighborhood of Greenwich Village in Manhattan. Ew. So, a little backstory because, you know me, I can't just go right to the ghosts. We, we need some history. Exactly. Well, you know, being a history major, <laughs> once <laughs> once you major in it, you never really leave. You never leave. So, Chumley's was established in 1922 by social activist Leland Stanford Chumley, who took a former blacksmith shop, which was built in 1831, that may mm. have been a safe haven for escaped slaves during mm. the pre-Civil War era, and turned it into a prohibition speakeasy. Mm-hmm. Now, Chumley, or Leland, was described as, as I quote, as a laborer, tramp, waiter, newspaper cartoonist, editorial writer, and painter. So a man of many talents. Um, many. He's a jack of all trades. Yeah, but his name is Leland. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine. And He's a Leland of all trades. There you go. There you go. <laughs> He's an active member of also what's called the Wobblies, mm-hmm. which were a left-wing labor union group who frequently butted heads with the government. We clearly would have loved them today. Clearly. Although the Wobblies sounds like they're cousins to the Teletubbies or the Wiggles. <laughs> the Wobblies. Exactly. The Wobblies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So a few features from Chumley's past actually remain at the Barrow Street location. Okay. So you have the Barrow Street entrance having no exterior sign, which is located at the end of a nondescript courtyard that was dubbed the Garden Door. Mm -hmm. And the Bedford Street location is also unmarked. Now, the establishment itself still has the trap doors and the secret stairs that were once crucial to bootlegging and other prohibition era practices. Okay. It's... Funny enough, Danny, it's rumored that the expression 86 mm-hmm. began there. Mm. When a, you know, when a cantankerous guest was, I don't know, big words, cantankerous, Ooh. was forcibly escorted out of the Bedford street door, which had the establishment's address on it, 86 Bedford. Oh. But a different version referencing Chumley's is offered in Jeff Klein's book, The History and Stories of the Best Bars of New York. Okay. It sounds like a good read. Right. When the cops would very kindly call ahead before a prohibition era raid, they would tell the bartender to 86 his customers, uh. meaning they should exit the 86 Bedford door while the police would come to the Pamela Court entrance. Uh-huh. So they're not really trying to raid them. They're just like, hey, we got to do this, so can you just get your guys out? <laughs> no, no. Or or this is the the Prohibition era equivalent of, cops, scatter! <laughs> Five out! <laughs> exactly. 
So a plaque at the tavern, which was dated back in the 2000s, September 22, 2000, and was placed by the Friends of Libraries USA, stated that Chumley's has been placed on the Literary Landmarks Register and goes on to describe Chumley's as a celebrated haven frequented by poets, novelists, and playwrights. This place was huge in the 20s for the lost generation and the beat generation. So this place, they who the patrons were frequent. um, Patrons of it? Well, yes, patrons of it. (laughs) But they were frequent customers. Ah, okay. And these, some of these writers are pivotal to 20th century American literature. We're talking Willa Cather, E.E. E. Cummings, Ooh. Theodore Dreiser, William Ooh. Faulkner, Ooh. Ring Lardner, Edna Street, Vincent Millay, Eugene O'Neill, John Dos Passos, and John Steinbeck. Ooh. Other literary giants that are said to have been there were Norman Mailer, Jack Arach, Anine in and J.D. Salinger and maybe even F. Scott Fitzgerald and Ernest Hemingway. Whoa. And the establishment was, as you know, is a frequent stop on literary tours throughout the city, especially due to the fact that the walls of the bar were said to be decorated by book jackets and autograph photos from said such. From the nice is that amazing? Why are we not on this tour? Yeah, I know. Like <laughs> when I found that out, it was like. Excuse me, screw bar hops. Let's go on a literary Ooh, tour. Literary tour it is. <laughs> I just see there was like, I'm going to show up glasses on. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> you got to have your has- your scarf though. It's true. <laughs> so on June 1st, 1960, this is a true crimes murder story mm-hmm. because what bar is not a bar without a couple of deaths to, to add there? Honestly. 43-year-old writer Curtis Clinton was killed by seaman <gasps> Michael L. George when a brawl over, I kid you not, a chess game <laughs> typical resulted in a sliced jugular from a piece of broken glass. I'm serious. Chess is no game. Checkmate your life. <laughs> the building itself was subject to frequent renovations throughout time and repairs, especially in 2007 when the dining room chimney collapsed. Oh. So the bar was closed for a nice check of time. And in 2016, it was reopened. But as a reservation-only dinner restaurant featuring upscale bar food and mixology drinks. The dining room is essentially about, say, 10% smaller mm-hmm. in height and width Okay. because of the extent of the damage of the collapse. And what I refer to as the garden door mm-hmm. is permanently closed. Oh. There's only one... Only Ooh. one of the doors. Oh, wow. So you can't even see. Yeah, I mean, you can see it, but you can't use it. Okay, okay. You know? So. That's sad. It's a little sad, but again, the fact that it's still, it was reopened is important because that's, that's true. crucial history right Yeah, there. yeah. So we've covered that it was extremely significant in the history of American literature, but I'll also say it has its fair share of ghosts, and I'm not talking about spirits on the shelf. Mm. So one of them, is connected to Leland Chumley, his wife, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not really sure if they were, if it was a official marriage, could have just been a partnership that was never made official. Okay. Let's just call it his wife. Okay. Henrietta Chumley, she took over the, the bar after okay. her husband's heart attack. Okay. And she would sit at her table by the fireplace where she would do business, do business and drink until she passed out. Oh. Every night. <laughs> what? not how you do business. <laughs> she supposedly drank every night, Danny, for 25 years My straight. God, what is her liver like? Manhattan's happened to be her favorite cocktail. 
Oh, just saying. Uh-huh. Good taste. And she until she did this until she died in 1960 in the bar itself. <laughs> Classy lady. Indeed. And did she that, die of liver failure? Because I I should have looked into that. I did not, <laughs> but I kind of assumed it was either chronic liver failure or just she just decided that's it, closing time for real. So her spirit supposedly returned to watch over the place where she would show, again, her disdain for changes and renovations by messing with the jukebox and the pinball machines by, and also by tipping bottles and glasses off the shelves. Again, show you see the pattern mm-hmm. in a lot of our don't stories. Don't touch my bar. No, no, don't touch my bar is that ghosts are very resistant to change. Change, yeah, yeah. They don't like change. They I mean, don't like change. I the, mean, people don't like change. We, yeah, again, people don't like change, even death. I mean, the best story of someone being upset about change, that hotel in Staten Island. Do you remember? Oh, the old Bermuda Inn? The old Bermuda Inn. Magda. With the port, yeah, no, with the portrait Martha. just lights <laughs> on fire. Just, how dare you touch my house? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Obviously, guys, trust me, check that story out. Best part, that portrait's still there. The burn marks are still there, too. <laughs> That's a pretty powerful spirit. So that happens. And funny enough, Leland's spirit has actually been said to reappear, wearing his signature, and I quote, floppy hat, open shirt, and wavy necktie. Okay. Mingling with the live patrons. Oh, so he, he's just hanging you out. Could, well, that's the thing is sometimes some people don't even realize that who you're talking to is, yeah, they, they just disappear. Yeah, exactly. So those are two of the, our, let's say, our more historical ones. Now, I read an account from former owner Steve Schlopak, who reported supernatural activity related to deceased firefighters who used to frequent the bar. Oh. And a lot of them actually used to even work there. See, okay. back in the day, uh, he, Steve, had a close friend and firefighter whose name is Captain John Drennan, okay. whose pitcher once hung over the bar, okay. who died in a fire rescue attempt in 1994. Now, around that time, Steve was dealing with a moment of personal and financial crisis. His partner had just backed out. He wasn't sure what was going to happen with the bar. Okay. You know, you, you're carrying on a legacy, but at the same time, if you can't afford it, what are you going to do? Right. So... He was dealing with this crisis when firefighters from Engine 24, Ladder 5, showed up to the bar hoping to help their mm-hmm. friend and person who apparently they were frequent patrons. Steve hires all of them a staff. Oh. And he had an all-firefighter crew up until about 2007. Wow. And he believes that most of that crew, especially 16 of the members who died in the events of 9-11, continue to visit the bar even in death. That's insane. Yeah, he specifically mentioned that the jukebox would sometimes just randomly play songs relevant to conversations with the employees and other firefighters. And specifically, a discussion about memorial services in 9-11, the words, we're on the road again, we're on the way to paradise, came on and the jukebox wasn't even plugged in. Goosebumps. Literal goosebumps. The staff never plugged it in until about four o'clock when the bar opens. Chills. Indeed. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) That is insane. Indeed. But they're not, again, they're not malevolent spirits. So the the staff, they're like, hey, it's Bob. We've seen this a lot with sometimes you just go back to the old, it's like cheers. You go back to the bar where everybody knows your name. You know, sometimes you just return. Where you consider your home, basically. Yeah. It, yeah. It's sometimes we're just so bound to a place that we just come back to it. Yeah. You know, it's just 
it's home. Like you just said, there's this, it's about home is where the heart is. And apparently home can be where the ghost is too. Yeah. So yeah. that's essentially my story. So special thank you to Cherry Farnsworth, my favorite author from Haunted New York, uh, newyorkghost.com. And again, a special assist from Wikipedia. Thank you guys. <laughs> and so that's Chumley's. And again, when I was doing the research initially, it was closed. It's open again. Yes. And I was like, wow, this would be a great double date in which my girlfriend was like, listen, we'll go. But the second some weird shit happens, I'm out. I ain't bringing any demons home. And I was like, fair, 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 that's fair. fair. It's very fair. Agree, but, agree. So that's that's the story. What do you think? I freaking loved it. I got literal chills. The yeah. jukebox just playing when it's not even plugged in. Yeah. Insane. I mean, for me, the fact that the owners would come back was pretty crazy. You know, you have the guy who founds it and then this, his hard hitting <laughs> alcoholic wife. I mean, I'm sorry, if that's true, can you just imagine every day you drink yourself to get knocked out and then you just wake up and do the next thing again? Well, like, if, I've watched, if I've watched a bar rescue enough times, I know that that's a terrible way to run your bar because <laughs> that's how you lose money. Not how you get money, but hey, run your business how you want to. I mean, it's for that. And on top of it, you know, being a writer, just the amount of literary history that have sat there and yes. shared a beer. I mean, oh, my God. It just when I read that, I was like, well, we have to talk about this. This yes. is so cool on a literary level, a historical level, and now a supernatural level. I was like, this is my kind of bar. <laughs> you know, I was like, his, I was, I'm going to write. And some weird shit could happen. Literally. Honestly, it's like (laughs) Ghostbusters, sign me up. So that's our story. If you liked it, if you didn't like it, whatever, (laughs) let us know. We are Strange Little Worlds. You can find us online. Our website is SL. Uh, No, our website is is strangelittleworlds.com. But our handle is SLW Podcast podcast. for the Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Exactly. Yeah. And we're also on. I'm going to get this. We're also on Spotify. We're on Apple iTunes and Line. Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. I will get it one day. I mean, we don't really need to have the list because the whole list is available on our website. Yeah, but we're just like saying it because sometimes, you know, people don't like to read. That's true. The point (laughs) being is if you guys get a chance, check out Chumley's. I hear it's pretty, from what I'm reading reviews, still pretty good. Yeah. And we are not responsible if some weird shit happens to you. We did give you fair warning about it. We did. True story. So that's our story. Enjoy. And we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. I only ever the saw only, the commercials. The only way I know that show, J- Vanderbeek, the guy who was Charlie in the Mighty Ducks, Joshua Jackson. Although I have been meaning to watch Fringe. I heard that's a great show. You know, I haven't seen it. I heard it's really good. And then Katie Holmes. With yeah. With her really cute, you know, kind of saying. The sideways. Sideways, you know, sideways <laughs> speaking. And, you know, which is, I felt like I was like, I was like, you were just a couple steps away from just being little Nicky right there. You know? Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, it's good, it, it could totally happen. I'm no George Clooney. Um, and then, was it Michelle Williams on that? I have no idea. No fucking idea. idea. And then I remember uh, John Wesley Shipp was on that show. That's the guy who was the Flash, the original Flash, who played oh. Barry's dad in the CW. He's on there. I know this because they referenced that in an episode where they're sitting in the 90s. Mm. Flash and Barry Allen, you know, Grant Gustin. 
and Dawson's Creek was in the background. <laughs> and I was just like, well played, that- CW. <laughs> well played. It's just like you saw Dawson's Creek and you hear the theme song. And I'm just like, well. That's an excellent Easter egg right there. Noise. Nice. Exactly. I was like, noise. Noise.